Worthy is the Lamb. That's the truth of the matter. And I appreciate that song because it is the reason why we worship. You realize that we worship because God is worthy, right? That's the reason why we are here. And I'm glad that you have joined us once again to, to listen to another installation of Revision 2020. Allow me just to do a little bit of a rewind. And just before I do that, I want to welcome you to Power Hour because we believe that it is the power of the Word of God that gives us the ability to be able to do what He's called us to do. So I want to welcome you. Please sit back, have your Bibles in your hands, and we're going to get into this thing, and God is going to speak for sure. I'm, 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 I'm guaranteed on that because God's word never goes out without accomplishing its purpose. Uh, so let me do a little bit of a rewind of what Revision 2020 is all about. Basically, the, the, the nucleus of this series is in, in the midst of everything that we have gone through, that we are going through, we need to start to revision this year based upon God's vision. It's not the vision that you had at the very beginning of the year, but it's precisely what God intends to do in this year. That is the vision that you need to be after. So we looked at Job in the in the first installation where we discovered that the devil was trying to flip Job in his difficulty, but he revisioned his difficulty and he was able to see God God better. And last week we were running with the young fella, King David, as he's trying to be king. And yet he has to wait and delay. And so there we understood that God uses unforeseen things uh, to bring to pass things that he has promised for us. So it may be taking long, but please hold on because God is going to deliver. I want to preach this morning from Haggai. Uh, this is the third book uh, uh, that concludes the Old Testament in the English ordering of the Bible. Haggai, and I want to read from verse number one to verse number 11. It's a bit of a chunk of scripture, but uh, this is what I've based my, my preaching on this particular morning. Uh, it begins in verse number one. In the second year of King Darius, or Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel means planted in Babylon. Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, not Jakarta, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, the time has not come, the, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, that says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Now listen to this. You have sown much. But bring in little. What disappointment. You eat, but do not have enough. What disappointment. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. What disappointment. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. What disappointment. And he who earns wages 
earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Disappointment. Thus says the Lord, in your disappointment, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little disappointment. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Why? Says the Lord of hosts, because, because my house that is in ruins. While every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew. And the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains. On the grain and the new wine and the oil. On whatever the ground brings forth. On men and livestock. And on all the labor of your hands. Allow me to challenge you this morning under the theme, Revision in Disappointment. Revision in Disappointment. Let us pray. Speak, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Experts will tell you that your effort must match your expectation. If you expect to lose weight, you need to limit your diet and elude cheat days. If you want to get a promotion at work, you will need to come in early and leave late and do your duties to the best of your ability. If you want to save money and put something aside, you will need to limit your spending. You need to limit your budget. Your effort must match your expectation. But sometimes we expect much without doing enough. But sometimes you will expend effort. You'll put in the energy, but yet you get disappointed. Have you ever expended so much energy, put in so much work, but you did not get what you were hoping you would get? You ended up being disappointed. You studied hard, but didn't get, get the grade. You put in the time, but you don't feel like the priority. You have worked hard, but you can't make ends meet. You diet but the weight still hugs you like a bear. The reality is that sometimes we, we are disappointed even after putting up a great, great effort. And this morning I am dealing with disappointment and there is disappointment in this text. And let's just get it out of the way already. 2020 has been a disappointing year for so many reasons. In the fact that we have been disappointed because everything has been changed around us. We have not been able to travel as we wanted to. We have not been able to socialize as we have wanted to. We have not been able to do what we do as we have wanted to. Life has been restricted. Life has been constricted. Life has just been a little bit different and it has been disappointing. You thought this was your year. But it turns out that it is not your year. You thought you were going to elevate this year, but 
you have had to remain on the on the same place you thought things would be better you thought you'd graduate with your classmates uh, you thought you'd travel to a faraway country you thought you would leave this country go to another country but 2020 has just said mm -mm -mm -mm. and there is disappointment in this text this morning here god is asking a very pointed question to the people in Haggai's time and he asked them this particular question is it time for you yourself to dwell in paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins it was god's expectation that a temple would stand at all times since the time of Moses, Elder Ray, God had instituted a sanctuary. He had instituted a temple. He had instituted a tabernacle of meeting that it would be in the center of the people. And God would live there on this place we call the Ark of the Covenant. And he would be in this particular, he would be among his people. That's why God told Moses, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So it was God's expectation that a temple will always stand good unfortunately when the people became unfaithful towards god nebuchadnezzar came with his armies and totally raised the the temple in other words he destroyed the temple and the people were carried away as captives to babylon they were deported to babylon but with the passing of time and when the Persian Empire comes on the scene under the leadership of Cyrus the Great, according to Isaiah 45, he changes the policy of Babylon and he permits the captives of Judah to return back to Judah. When they come back to Judah, they do not see the same old territory as before. It was no longer a land of Israel with 12 tribes. It was a land of Israel uh, reduced, hear me carefully, reduced to Jerusalem and the surrounding area. And that was a disappointment in and of itself because what they left behind was no longer what they found. You know how it is. You live a place, but when you come back, you discover that it is not the same way that you left it. You know how it is. You give somebody access to your bank account, but when you check your bank account, you discover that your bank account does not have the same amount. You know how it is when you have invested in something, but yet when you left your investment, when you come back, you realize that the ROI is not the same thing. The people come back from Babylon. They realize that their land is not the same, but they understood God's expectation that there must be a temple. And therefore they decided to start rebuilding the temple. And they started to uh, erect. They started by erecting the altar. And after erecting the altar, they laid the foundation of the temple. But, Putra, some of their neighbors, those who had been in the land, those who were not Israelite, decided to complain to the emperor Darius the Great at this particular moment. And he tells, Dar uh, not Darius, but Ahasuerus, he tells him this news. He says, look, uh, king, if you allow the Jews to rebuild the temple they're going to revolt against you and they say to the king king it is important that you investigate these people because last time when we 
we we knew that they had the temple they were a rebellious kind of people and so the king Ahasuerus or Artaxerxes sent a message back to Judah and tells the builders of the temple you need to quit this until we finish the investigation but what happens is this that though the 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 king has told them you must stop building the temple though the king has has told them that you cannot continue in this work they have left the temple uncompleted and because the temple is not completed it is incomplete they cannot worship God properly God cannot dwell among his people so the expectation that God had has not been fulfilled God now is not living as the center of the people. He's no longer the priority. God is put aside. He's no longer the center and therefore God is disappointed. One writer put it nicely and I agree with what he said. When God is not on the agenda, he lives on the edge of your awareness. You see the temple was important because it made the people God aware. It made them understand and realize that God is the priority. It made them realize and understand that God is not a weekly thing. God is not somebody who I meet once a week. God is not somebody who I meet once a year. God is somebody who I meet every day. He should be agenda number one each and every day. I was I was reading and I discovered that on Thursday it was uh, World Toilet Day. Now World Toilet Day is an important uh, day because it raises awareness of the 4.2 billion people in this planet that do not have proper sanitation. In fact, one of the sustainable goals for the for the I, I believe the the UN if I'm not mistaken is that by 2030 that each and every person will have proper proper sanitation. Now, what well, you know that the 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 UN uh, has a celebrations there is world heritage day there is world this day there is that day and 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 these things are are, are are we are reminded of them on particular days now you see many of us we celebrate or i don't know if you celebrated this or you're aware about this but world toilet day happened on thursday and the next time is going to be brought on is going to be next year But you see God cannot be made aware once a year. God is not like that. God needs to be kept in mind. God needs to be made aware each and every day. God is not a world toilet day. And so when the people did not continue building the temple, is they were putting God to the side, they were not making him a part of their life. And nothing and nothing disappoints God more than when he is on the edge of your awareness there is nothing that will make God more disappointed than for him to be in the second place of your life there is nothing that disappoints God more than when you do not think about him each and every day When God feels like he's second place, that is the greatest disappointment that God can can face. Now you see what made God disappointed is that the people uh left God and they focus on their business. Notice what God is saying in the text, is it time for you to dwell in your paneled houses while 
while my house is in ruins. Yes, yes, this is a difficult situation. You have been stopped from building the temple. Yes, the king has told you to stop. But how come you are putting all of your energies in your business? And because you you put all of your energies into your business, then I am not made aware in your life. I like how the NLT puts it. It says, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? Now, now, now check this. The, the, this expression, luxurious houses, is, is used in the temple when Solomon is building it. Especially when he decorates the temple in 1 Kings 6 verse number 9. So this is what God is saying. Your houses have become your temple. You have beautified your houses so much that they are competing with me. So, so check this. God is saying you are living it up. You, 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 are, you are living good. You, 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 you are doing your best. You, you're putting your effort into your business. But yet your business and your efforts are making you less aware of me. And you have put me down. And you see here is God's contention. And that is when we put so much into our thing that his thing becomes second place. This is God's contention. When you put more energy into your family, but you don't have time to serve him. It is God's contention. When you put a lot of effort into your portfolios and your, your work, and yet you don't have time to pray. I'm here to tell you that when God is not the priority, you have switched your priorities. When God is not your priority, you have switched your priorities. And when he is not your priority, I'm telling you, you're going to land into problems. Because what happens is this. When you focus inward and not upward, you go downward. <laughs> Let me say that again. When you focus inward and not upward, you go downward. And that is the problem of the situation. And I want to help you to understand that many of us are going downward because we are not looking upward. But the more we go downward, we worry about what's inside. We, we look inward. We worry, we worry about what's happening with us. We worry about our how we're going to make it at the end of the month. We worry about the problems that we're facing. We worry about things going on around us, but we don't take enough time to look up. And so because of the people, they're not looking upward. They have left the temple unfinished. And they're looking inward, trying to build their portfolio and, and, and live in nice houses and, and make ends meet and, and save money. And, and those are good things. Because they're doing that, guess what? They're going downward. God says, Edoray, catch this. He says this, hey, you, you, you have sown much, but you are... You are bringing in little. Uh, you, you eat, but you do not have enough. Uh, you drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but you are not warm. And he who, he who earns wages, earns wages 
that are put in a bag with holes. You see, the reality of the moment is this. When God takes a back seat, you set yourself up for disappointment. You see, God is helping them to, to see and, and the prophet is helping them to see your, 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 your actions, your behavior is impacting your bank account. How you are living is impacting your, your profits. The reason why you are not being promoted and you are staying at the same place is because I am in the back seat. Because God wants us to understand that there's an interlink between prosperity and spirituality. You cannot neglect your spirituality and expect God to prosper you. You cannot not give back to God and expect God to give back to you. It doesn't work like that. You cannot say, God bless me, but you don't bless him back. You cannot say, Lord, I want you to look out for me when you're not looking out for him. And I love this statement. And we need to think about this statement very carefully. He says, you have sown much or oh, making that effort, but you're disappointed. And you gather little. And you see, I need you to understand that life functions on a soul reaping uh, concept. What that is, is anything we do is simply a seed we plant in the ground. Right? I, I, each and every one of us is planting a seed in the ground. Uh, for example, you're planting the seed of, of work every day. You, you go to the office every day. You put in a certain amount of hours every day. Well, now we don't go to the office as much. You, you're working from home. But your hours are the seed that you plant in. And when you plant that seed, you, you expect that at the end of the month, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna harvest a crop in salary. Are you understand what I'm saying? But here's what you need not to you need not to 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 miss is that when a, a farmer plants a seed in the ground, he has no power to make it grow. All he can do is to wait and watch the 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 elements and the principles of of harvest and, and planting take place and then something comes up. What I need to know is it is God who is in charge of enacting the growth. It is he who is in charge of making sure that the efforts we put in actually grow. But when we do not have him as a center of our lives, he will sometimes stunt the growth in order to get our attention. And I need somebody here to know this carefully because you will make a lot of effort. You put in the energy. But if God is not putting his stamp of approval on your energies, if God is not empowering your efforts, you are simply going to be disappointed. You're simply not going to get what you expect. And this is important for us to understand. And I love how. Charles Spurgeon puts it, is put very beautifully and powerfully. He says it like this. Our God has a method in providence by which he can succeed our endeavors beyond our expectation. Now, just let that settle in for a moment. And I want to read that one more time. Our God has a method in providence, method in providence, by which he can succeed our endeavors beyond our expectation. Mm. <laughs> Now, that, that's beautiful right there. What that means is you are expecting to earn 
$500, God can exceed $500 to $1,000. You're expecting for, for, for that promotion. God can make you the owner. <laughs> That's what God can do. But listen to what, uh, he, he, he says, Charles Spurgeon. He says, or can defeat our plans to our confusion and dismay. It may, well, it may very well mean that the reason why you're not succeeding is because God is the one defeating you. Now, now we may not like to hear that. You, you may not enjoy that. But it may well mean that the, the, the fact that you're not being promoted is because God is keeping you back. It may well mean that the fact that you, 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 you're not earning as much is because God is keeping you, is keeping you back. It may well mean that the, the, the reason why you can't have financial freedom is because God is pulling you back. God is defeating your plans. You have applied in this place. You have applied in that place. But God is saying squash that. And, and you're frustrated. Right? And he continues to say, by a turn of his hand, he can steer a ver our vessel in a profitable channel or he can aground in poverty and bank bankruptcy. I need you to talk, I need you to, I need you to understand about the method in providence. That is, God can be on your side or God can be against you based upon your relationship with him. Now, now you see, we, we, we understand that there are rights and privileges. Now, now follow here, right, right here, right quick. Now, when we talk about rights, we're talking about something that somebody, somebody has that is unconditional. For example, you have the right to, 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 to live. You have the, you have the right to, uh, the pursuit of happiness. You, you have the right to, to live your life. And that is why when somebody uh, commits murder, that person is put into, into jail because they have taken somebody's life and therefore that li their life is not taken away by imprisonment because life, the right to live is a right. But there are some things that are a privilege. And that is, they are not inherently yours, but they are given to you. Now listen to me carefully. Just like driving is a is a is a privilege just like owning a gun is a privilege god does not function by rights and privileges everything that god gives to us is a privilege there is nothing that is a right for you there is nothing that is a right for me now you may not like that but that's the truth of the matter this is why this is why God could kill people in the Old Testament. And you look at the Old Testament and say, well, God, why did you kill this nation? Because God is a life giver and life, a life that is not living for God does not deserve to exist. And so God has a right to take it away. This is why God could allow David to lose a son that was gotten the wrong way by him sleeping with Bathsheba because it is, it is a privilege that God gave to David. And I want you to understand that with God, everything about us is a privilege. And when we are in violation of those privileges, God has the right to withhold it. When we are in violation of his will, God has a right to say no. When we are in violation of his wishes, God has a right to say 
not here, not now, until we fix things. Now, there are people in this world that will restrict your privileges because they want to show you that they are boss. They want to show you that they have power. And some, some, some relationships are built like that. You, 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 you show each other power. I'm, I'm the man or I'm, I'm the woman, whatever it is. But God does not restrict his privileges to show you that he has power. He has all power anyway. But God restricts his privileges because there is a violation that you have committed. You know how it is, Putra, when your friend has done something against you, something that you don't like. You may not give to them the access to play on your PlayStation or your PS5. You, you, you may not tag them in, in your video because you, you, are, you are upset and you understand and you realize that they have violated your relationship. Until you fix the violation, you are not going to get the rights and privileges. And many you understand what I'm talking about. That when people are not right with us, we do not give them the same privileges anymore. And therefore, God has the same right. And many of us could be at a place of disappointment because we have violated God. Our relationship with God is not at the right, at, at the right place. And that's what I'm asking you this morning to revision your disappointments. Because it may well mean that you're disappointed not because you're not good at your job. Not because you're not a good husband. Or a good wife. Not that because you're not a good a preacher. Not because you're not a good student. Not because you're not a, a good marketer. Not because you're not a good manager. But simply because you might have violated your relationship with God. He may not be where he needs to be. And therefore God could be taking away things from you to let you know, hey son, hey daughter, hey child, let's fix things right here. We cannot progress if your relationship with me is digressing and regressing we need to fix things and so right here in this text in this passage Hagia is trying to help the people to understand listen let's fix your disappointments let's get you to the right place where you need to be with God and so Hagia, what he does is he calls out the people's excuses he says let's look at your excuses because you are saying the time has not yet come for the for the house of the Lord to be built and you are saying, and you, you are saying, the time has not yet come. Now God says, but it is, is it time for you to live in, in paneled houses? Is it time for you to live in luxurious homes? God is saying, yes, you are saying it is not time for, 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 for the task to be done. But yet you are living as kings. And so here is the thing. The people in, Malak, in, in Haggai's day agreed to the task, but they did not agree on the timing and so therefore what they did is they rationalized the task and they said it is not the right timing right now basically what they were doing is this they were putting God on the back burner because even though it was not it was not time yes things were not good politically Cyrus's son Cambyses had killed himself things were now going on all right but there never comes a time listen to me carefully there never comes a time when you can excuse yourself from now worshiping God 
There never comes a time when you can excuse yourself from not making God the priority. There never comes a time when you can excuse yourself and say, I'm not going to do this thing for God right now. And some of us, we have put things off for too long. We have said it is not time for me to be baptized. It is not time for me to serve yet. It is not time for me to give yet. When is it going to be time? When are you going to do it? When is the time? But yet it is time for you to get money. It is time for you to get promoted. God is saying no. As long as it is time for you to work. It is time for you to breathe. You always are time for me. And that is why I can never accept an excuse from somebody who tells me I have no time for God. Because if you can breathe, if you can eat, if you can work, if you can do anything, you have time for God. God must always be a priority. There can never be an excuse for saying, God, I ain't got time for you. You better have no time for, for work to have time for God. You better have time for, for no relationship to have time for God. You better have time not to travel to have time for God. You cannot, you cannot excuse yourself and say, Lord, I have no time for you. And that's what God is trying to tell them. Listen, you can't say you can't build a temple right now. Because if you can't build a temple right now, then I can't be a part of your life. And I love how Paul puts it. He says, we live, we move, we have our being because of God. Have you not noticed that the reason why God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life is because God wanted to communicate to you and I that you, you, you can't live without me. You can't survive without me. You can't make it without me. And so Haggai says, you know what? Cut it out. Stop these excuses that you don't have time. Right? Don't, don't rationalize God. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't tell me you got no time when you have the time to do other things. The point is you just have switched priorities. And that's what many of us are dealing with today. Our priorities are not in order. They're not right. Let's look at our schedules every day when we wake up. Who is first on your agenda every day? But I don't know how it is sometimes. We get busy. We, we get caught up in stuff that, that is going on. And God is not, is not the center of our situation. So he says, no, cut it out. And I'm here to tell you about God's, 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 God's power, God's word. Cut it out. You can create the time. Cover the time. Stop with the excuses. No excuses, man. Just, just, just do it. I had a brother of mine speak to me yesterday. I, he rebuked the heck out of me, man. He really, really rebuked the heck out of me. He says, man, you got to level up. You know, I, you're not acting the way I know you to act. He, he told me that to my face. And I say, hey, man, you're coming hard at me. You know, he says, yeah, because I know you. I know you. You can do better. And, and, and I was about to make an excuse. I said, no, bro. You know, he said, he says, and then I had to, I had to check myself. I, said, I cannot make an excuse about this. I just have to level up and do it. So uh, let's stop with the excuses, right? Don't tell me you have no time to read the word. Don't tell me you have no time to pray. Don't tell me you have no time to serve. Don't, don't tell me none of that. Just cut it out and start making God the center of your life. If you got to move things around, move it around. 
If you got to get people out of your life, do it. I don't care what you got to do. You got to work less hours, do it. Because unless God is the center of your life, you are only withholding promises and, and blessings that God can give you. If you only say, God, please come back into my life. And so after pointing out the excuses, Haggai asked the people to evaluation. And he says to them, consider your ways. Consider. That, that, that is, uh, look at what's happening to you. You, you. you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but not, are not filled. You clothe yourselves. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag of holes. God, Haggai is telling the people, look, look, whatever is happening around you, whatever circumstances you are facing, uh, the, 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 the fact that your, 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 your business is not moving as it should be, the fact that you're not being promoted as it should be, the fact that your savings are not as much as it should be, is because of your behavior. Your behavior is impacting your blessing. <laughs> your behavior is impacting your blessing because you are trying to separate your blessing from the blesser. You're trying to separate your blessing from your maker. You're trying to separate your marriage from your maker. You're trying to separate your money from your maker. You're trying to separate your market value from your maker. You're trying to separate your education from your maker. You're trying to separate your relationship from your maker. You're trying to separate your diet from your maker. You're trying to separate your, 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 your desire to be educated from your maker. But I have news for you and I hope you get it this morning. You cannot separate anything that you have from your maker. God owns heaven and earth. The cattle on a thousand hills is his. God's, uh, God's footstool is on earth and he lives in heaven. Everything you see, everything that you touch is God's. And so when you take yourself away from God, you're simply taken away from your blessing. And let's stop taking the blessing that God wants to give us from us. Stop hurting yourself. Consider your ways. Consider what you're doing. Consider how you're living. And, and ask yourself this question. Is God the center of my life? Is God there? Evaluate yourself. And you know how it is when you evaluate yourself. You have to be honest. You have to be honest. Really be honest. And ask yourself a question. Why is it that I'm not praying as I should? Well, if I evaluate carefully, I'm always going to sleep at midnight. I wake up at 7. I have to be in the office at 9. And when I wake up at 7, I got babies to take care of. I got stuff I need to do and then I need to travel. You know, Jakarta traffic is crazy. Therefore, I have no time to worship God. Now, if you evaluate yourself carefully and you, you, you really look at it carefully, you say, okay, are there things that I can cut away so that I'm not sleeping so late so I can get up earlier? Okay. I realize that I've never 
serve God. I don't give. What is it that is keeping me away from doing this? You must be honest. You must look at it carefully. And Paul says, examine yourself, evaluate yourself, introspect yourself, look at your life, analyze your life and see, am I really at the right place? Am I not at the right place? It's interesting that God says in verse number two and also verse number 10 or number nine, he says the temple is in ruins. The Hebrew word there is Horeb. Almost sounds like horrible. Then in verse number 11, God says, I have called a drought. The word is Hareb. Can you see the word play right there? That, that the, the temple is in ruins. Horeb. Uh, you, you have called a drought. God says, Hareb. God is saying, because the temple is in ruins, you are in ruin. Because you are, I'm in a drought of your devotion. You are in a drought in your economics. Because you're not giving to me. I'm taking from you because you're not putting it in. I'm taking it away. And I want you to understand that that's how it is. You're only, that's how it is. Because when you are not giving God what he deserves, when you're not quenching his thirst with your prayers and your devotion, guess what? God is going to make you thirsty. He's going to take away from your blessings. And let's stop that. Let's ask God, God, today I'm going to quit restricting you today i'm gonna quit uh, uh, uh making you thirsty today i'm going to quench your thirst of my commitment i'm gonna quench your thirst with my devotion today i'm gonna quench your thirst with my service today i'm gonna quench your thirst with being there for my family today i'm gonna quench your thirst in giving back to you today is a day that the drought ends because i am tired of being in ruins i am tired of being disappointed that's why God says, therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew and the earth is stayed from her fruit. God is saying, I'm withholding things. I'm withholding things. When there's a lot of traffic at the airport, the pilot must go in a holding pattern. He just must circle the, 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 the area until it's clear. Could it be that God is in a holding pattern? Because it is not clear yet for him to land his blessings in your life. Because there's too much traffic in your life. God has no space to land his blessings on you. And therefore things are being withheld from you. Because you are in violation of a relationship. You are not there as you need to be. And so uh, Haggai says, consider your excuses. And he says, evaluate yourself. But last but not the least, Haggai tells them to cause them to execution and this is what he says in verse number eight go up to the mountain to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that i may take pleasure in it and be glorified this is the the solution to the problem in this text you are not building the temple God is saying, go build the temple. It's very simple with God. You don't need to make a complicated plan. All you need to do is to fulfill God's will and get back to what God has called you to do. And this is what God is telling the people right here. I have called you to build a temple. I've called you to a specific purpose. This is your project. And Lord knows that some of us have left God's projects unfinished. 
We have left things undone. What are those things that you know you should go back to? God is saying to you today, my son, my daughter, if I'm to release my blessings, if I'm to land in your life with my blessings, if I'm to take away the disappointment, you got to go back and continue my project. Now, some of us have been tempted to say, you know what, Lord, I'm too tired. I can't serve you. I, I can't contribute. God is saying to you today, go back and start contributing. God is saying to you today, start giving back. God is saying to you today, make sure that the temple is standing in your life and around you. God is calling you and I to go up to the mountains. God is calling you and I to put in effort and energy. Interestingly enough, when God says go up to the mountains, he was not talking about the mountains of Judea. He was talking about the mountains of Lebanon. That is not Israel. Basically what he's saying is this. He's asking them to import the wood. That is, you should not spare no expense when it comes to giving to me. I have friends who will spend two to three, two, two to three hundred dollars to buy a dictionary simply to study the Bible. And some of them might look at that. Why are you spending so much money on a book to study the Bible. But you know what? When you want to give God, you will spare no expense. You will give God the best, not the least. And so some of us need to import things. We need to bring in, spare no expense. God says, go up the mountain. He wasn't saying, send somebody up the mountain. God says, you go up the mountain. And that is how we execute. That is, we do it by ourselves. He says, go up. Bring wood and build. And God says, if you do that, if you do that, I will be happy. Oh, my, my. I love that. God says, I will take delight and, and I'll be happy. And you know when God is happy? God is going to open up this, those blessings to you. Right? Because when God is happy, it means that you and him are in a proper relationship. When God is happy, it means that you and him are now moving in the right, in the right step. When God is happy, it means that God is going to give you those things that you're looking for. You see, we, we, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And some of the things that God is asking us to do will require faith. We may not see the future. We may only see right here. We may be limited in our perspective, but it doesn't matter. Take the step of faith and do whatever God is calling you to do. Some of us, we need to go back to those projects. Go back to that Bible reading. Go back to that writing. Go back to that serving. Go back to that ministry. Go back to whatever God has called you to do. Do not quit. Do not give up because when you, you, you continue, God is happy. And I love the last part of the text when he says that and I will be glorified. In the book of Haggai, it's all about God's glory. It's all about God's honor. Because some of the people were asking themselves like this. Lord, if we build this temple, it's not going to be as good as Solomon's temple. Like, like for real. It's not going to be as good as Solomon's temple. Because Solomon's temple, man, that was grand. That was awesome. And you came back down. And God says, he, God says this. He says, I will shake the na all nations. And they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory. And so here is, is, is a beautiful point that God is making to them. He says that you think that Solomon's temple was glorious. It was wonderful. Guess what? This is what you're about to build. This is what you're about to do. 
It's going to have more glory because the desire of all nations, Jesus Christ, is going to step right here. And that's all the glory that is needed. And so God is thinking in the future. If we do not build this temple, guess what? The desire of all nations cannot step right here. And so when they were not doing the will of God, they were impeding God's vision and purpose for them. But the promise of God is this. Whatever you're doing now, if you're faithful to me now, it's going to be much greater and 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 more awesome and because God does not disappoint us when we put the effort into him God does not appoint, disappoint us when we have faith in him God does not disappoint us when we put our hopes in him and too many of us we're putting our hopes in things around us but let me tell you something everything around us can disappoint but God will not disappoint and praise the Lord that Jesus Christ surely came and he stood in that temple the desire of all nations and you and I today can stand and praise the Lord. Lord, thank you for Jesus. We can praise him and say, Lord, thank you for buying us a way of salvation. And we are standing here because these people built the temple. These people met God's expectation. These people, they did what God is calling them called them to do. And that's what I'm here to call you to do. Do what God has envisioned for your life. Do what God has purposed for your life. And when you do that, God is going to be happy. And you're not going to be disappointed. It's time for us to put the energies into God. It's time for us to invest our time in God. It is time for us to do all we can do for God. It is time to give God the best and not the least because he deserves it. It is, it is time to revision disappointment and start, stop with the excuses. It is time to deep self-evaluation. It is time to serious execution, to carry out what God is calling us to do. For me, it's time. I don't know about you. For me, it's time to do it. For me, it's time to do more. For me, it's time to do what God is calling me to do. For me, it's time. I don't know about you. I don't know about you. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you because it is time for us to give you what you deserve. And perhaps 2020 is that time that is going to catapult us to the next level. And Father, we don't want to waste this opportunity to get higher, to elevate ourselves. And Father, we want to stop with excuses. And we want to evaluate ourselves critically. And Father, we want to be able to execute what you've called us to execute. Help us, Lord, to do your will. Help us, Lord, to do your purpose. Because without you, we cannot. Thank you, Almighty Father, for your kindness. Thank you, Almighty Father, for your love. I humbly ask and I pray all of this in the wonderful and awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.